0: Welcome to Life Point Church. Our mission is to glorify God and make gospel-driven disciples by engaging people in the unexpected joy of a life more and more dependent on Jesus.
1: 1 Peter 3, 14 and 15. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Ephesians 2, verses one through 10, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them.
0: Well, hey, if you have your Bibles open, keep them open to Ephesians 2. That's where we're going to camp out for most of our morning. Ephesians 2 is what you just read. Good morning morning. Hey, my name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint, a part of our, our preaching team as well, and we're thrilled today to be kicking off a new series. If you're brand new with us, uh, this is a little different for us. We've got a short three-week series looking at a topic, but generally we like walking through books of the Bible. We just finished a series all the way through the book of First Thessalonians, if you were here with us this summer, and we'll be continuing in Malachi after this. But 1 Thessalonians, we talked about how to have hope and holiness in a hostile world, and our DTM is pointing to how difficult it can be to share our faith in this hostile world. There's, there's a problem about that because the Bible actually commands us to do just that, that hard thing, sharing our faith, doesn't it? We just heard uh, Peter explain it in First Peter. He was one of Jesus' disciples. He wrote a letter in the first century, which was a really hostile environment. I mean, we're talking beheadings for Christians, hostile environment. And Peter wrote a letter to Christians who were nervous, afraid, scared about sharing their faith. And he encouraged them in this letter. He said, don't be afraid. Always be ready. This is 1 Peter 3. Always be ready to make a defense, to have an answer for the hope that you have, the reasonable hope that you have as you share with others. Peter is instructing Christians to share their faith despite a hostile world. In fact, Jesus does the very same thing, doesn't he? repeatedly he does this let's go to one place in acts 1 Jesus has died he's rose from the grave he's with his disciples including Peter who wrote 1 Peter and he's encouraging them as uh, the final moments the final instruction from Jesus himself to his disciples and he says this here's what you're going to do disciples from now on you will be my witnesses you're going to testify to what you've seen and experienced. You're gonna do it here in Jerusalem and to Judea and to the ends of the earth. Near and far to the neighborhoods and the nations, testify of what you've seen. Be a witness. If you today in Fort Collins witnessed a car wreck, the police would show up and they would ask you to testify. Write a written account. Verbally speak to what you have seen and experienced and tell us, what's true. And that's what Jesus wants for his disciples. Testify. Open your mouth and share what you've witnessed and experienced, this reality of Jesus. This is pretty clear. It's kind of hard to wiggle around it. The Bible instructs us to share our faith. But why is it so hard to do that? It is hard, isn't it? I feel it with you. I am a mild recovering introvert and it's hard for me to get out and share. I'm from Minnesota. We don't talk about anything in Minnesota. We just drive. It's cold there. You open the garage door, you pull your car and you close the garage door. You never talk to your neighbors. You shouldn't, you should never do that. It's hard. Why is it so hard to do exactly what the Bible commands us to do? Share our faith with our neighbors. Well, for one, maybe you've felt just the awkwardness of that moment. Maybe you're a Christian, and you've, you've tried to bring up Christianity, or maybe your faith with somebody else. It just feels forced. You feel like a used car salesman, maybe. Maybe for you, it's a deep fear of rejection. You wanna share your faith with somebody next to you. Maybe it's a, a, a dorm room mate across the hall. But if you share your faith with them, you gotta live the rest of the semester right next to them. And what if they reject you? I've experienced this firsthand. I remember years ago when my wife was still a teacher, we went to a staff Christmas party and I met one of the other husbands of one of the other teachers at the party early on. We're connecting and we discovered we have a lot in common. And in fact, so much in common, we kind of parted off on our own and we're having a warm conversation for a long time while the rest of the party's going on over here. We're just clicking along. We're we're besties right now, things are going well. We found one other piece that we had in common. We're both learners. We like to grow, and we were both in graduate school together. I said, oh, where are you doing your graduate work? And he said, CSU. I said, that's fantastic. I'm studying a master's too. I'm getting a master's of divinity at Denver Seminary. And the conversation turned cold, just like that. The first excuse that he could find, he excused himself from our table and he never spoke to me again. I've experienced it, have you? It's a hostile world to be a Christian. And so your fear of rejection is perhaps legitimate, isn't it? Maybe you feel awkward, so you don't share your faith. Maybe you have a fear of rejection. Maybe if you're really, really honest with yourself, you'd say, frankly, I'm just busy. I got a lot going on, and if I'm brutally honest, I live a relatively self-focused life. I don't have time for other people. And it's hard to make space to give yourself to others. And even if you did have enough time to give yourself to others, what if somebody really smart, like that Tim Gates guy comes up there, he's really smart, what if someone really smart and you interact with them, you start sharing your faith and there's some philosopher from CSU and they've got arguments and they've got words that you haven't used before and you feel inadequate in sharing your faith. There's a lot of reasons, a lot of excuses really, that we take these commands from 1 Peter or from Jesus himself and we say, yeah, Jesus, I know that was the main thing you asked me to do in following you. But it's hard to share your faith, isn't it? There's good news. I think there's one wonderful solution to the problem of sharing your faith. And the best part of it is every single person, I'm seeing you in the balcony too, all of you, every one of you already has this tool in your back pocket right now. And one of the best tools of sharing your faith is your story. Everybody's got a story. You've got a story. Oh, and it's it's a wonderful tool. I mean, think about sharing your story in the culture today. Rather than perhaps having arguments about philosophical ideas, which has its place and we should study, when you share your story, it's personal, it's your story, and it's hard to argue with your story. In fact, if you would notice, though we have a hostile culture, you know what our culture values a lot today? everybody else's story (laughs) have you noticed that oh that's good for you good for you we want to respect people it doesn't matter what background or how weird your story is we respect it don't we in 2023 in fort collins so it's personal it's respectable and the other piece is it's relatable your story's relatable you could have a discussion about philosophical ideas and that would have its place However, when you share a story, you're not just talking about truths. You're demonstrating how the truth of Jesus affects a real human in real life in 2023, not just 2,000 years ago. Think about that the power of your story. And that's why Peter says, always be ready. To give not just an answer to the truths, but a reason that you have hope in that truth. Personal testimony. I think it's a good silver bullet. It's a starting place to sharing our faith. There's one problem, though, with your personal testimony, and here's where we could go wrong. When you share your story with others, what if you can't get the story straight? Do you know what I'm saying? What if you can't get the story straight? I mean, honestly, I can't remember what I made for breakfast last week. I can't. How am I supposed to remember how it is that I became a Christian from my entire life till now? See, my memory's fuzzy, and not only is my memory fuzzy of my experience of salvation, but my perspective is incredibly limited because it's only mine. That's all I got. My experience is my limited, tiny, finite human, two eyeballs, one point of view of how I became a Christian. That's limited. See, the power of your story is only truly powerful as long as your truth, the truth of your story, points to the truth. And I don't want to get it twisted. So let's try this. What if? Because all you have is a story. Every single face I'm looking at right now through a digital screen on our live stream, I see you, you're in your pajamas, enjoy. Uh, You've got a story. But let's let God tell us how you became a Christian. Oh, then your story would be anchored in an unchanging truth and you'd have perfect, not only perfect memory, but perfect perspective, God's perspective of how you became a Christian. So let's ask today, as we explore, what's your story? What does God tell you your story is of how you became a Christian? And let's see it in Ephesians 2. So open your Bibles to Ephesians 2. There's several places in the Bible we could go. This is a good one, a starting place. And we're gonna ask God to tell us As Christians, if you're a follower of Jesus here, this is your story right here in Ephesians 2. Now, every story has three elements, doesn't it? Basic elements. Every story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. So let's use those three movements to see your story in the Bible from beginning, middle, to end. And here's the main idea today. I'm gonna say this so many times, you're gonna get sick of it. The Bible tells us, surprisingly, much to your surprise, that your personal story is actually God's story in you. That's your story, every one of us, God's story in you. Let's look at the beginning of your story in Ephesians 2. Take a look at the text with me. What's the beginning? of your story? Well, the beginning of your story is the beginning of the story of humanity and unfortunately, it's dim, even grim. as brutal. If we started in Ephesians 2, Paul tells us the beginning of your story, you were dead. That's a weird place to start. Has anyone shared that at the beginning of their story? You usually say where you're born. I was born on an Air Force military base in South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina. But Paul tells me I was actually dead. That's the beginning of my story. It gets worse. Put on your imagination here. Feel this word picture. You were dead in your sins, and then he gives this picture of walking. Imagine marching following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. In the spirit that's now in work in the sons of disobedience, you were by nature children of wrath. Are you getting the picture? I'm, I'm picturing zombies. Dead, walking in a parade, following the parade master, Satan. In disobedience, headed towards wrath. This is not a good start to your story. It's not cute. There was not a baby shower (laughs) at the start of this story. It's bleak. Why would Paul say that? Why would he start with death and zombies in a parade following Satan? Well, we'd have to go back to the beginning of the story, not just yours, to figure out why he would say that. You see, the story of reality And the story of the Bible starts way back in Genesis. It starts with a good and holy God, powerful, who creates all things, including you and me, humanity. And he made them in his image, following his good design for the world, submitting underneath his loving authority. And the first two humans rejected that authority. They rebelled Against him. In the story, you remember Choose Your Story as a kid, where you got to pick which way the story was going to end? Adam and Eve picked wrong. Really wrong. The Choose Your Own Story path went very dark. They rejected God's authority. They became enemies of Him, rebels against a good God. And through Adam and Eve, for the rest of humanity, every one of us is born, not just with a baby shower, you're born in sin. This is the bad news. We all, as Ephesians 2 says, were born as children by nature of wrath. Destined. That's the beginning of our story. That's the beginning of our story. As one commentator put it well, what does it mean that we were dead at the beginning of our story in our sins and trespasses? One writer puts it this way. He says, human beings, as sons and daughters of Adam, enter the world spiritually dead. They have no inclination or responsiveness toward God and no ability to please him. Some say that God helps those who help themselves. Wrong, dead wrong when it comes to salvation, because dead people don't help themselves. That's like a guy in hospice care writing out his funeral wishes and saying, oh, no, 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 I won't need anybody carrying the casket. Not for my funeral, I'm gonna walk myself up to the front at my funeral. It's ridiculous and yet we believe we can do something on our own strength spiritually and paul uses the strongest language he can he uses it in ephesians he uses it in colossians he repeats this theme what's the beginning of your story dead nothing spiritually going on this is the start of your story now the problem comes when we try to share our story with others when we have a limited perspective on the beginning of our story, right? I, I told you that. I, my perspective's just mine, but God just opened my eyes to something that was happened to me when I was six-year-old. Zach, they had no idea. I didn't know I was spiritually dead. But God was doing something in six-year-old Zach I was unaware of. How can I tell people about that? unless I let the Bible tell me my life before Christ. You're dead. Here's what happens sometimes when we try to share our stories with others. Because we don't like talking about sin and we certainly don't like talking about our own sin. But have you ever noticed, maybe as you're sharing your story, how much we downplay the badness of the beginning of our story? Maybe you've heard it said like this. Maybe you've said it, okay? We're all here together. This is a safe place. Maybe you've said, oh, yeah, what's your story? You know what? Um, yeah, I grew up in the church, so you know I've always been a Christian. Hold on, let me check that. Let me double check that. He's, yep, you were dead. That's not true. You know what? Uh, yeah, before I became a Christian, I was a pretty good guy. I really was. Good guy pretty moral. Good you were walking in a parade after the prince of evil. I th- that's not lining up. You see, the power of your story is powerful to the degree it points to the truth, the real truth, that the beginning of your story is dim, it's dark, it's hopeless. You were unable to save yourself. That's The beginning of your story, because the beginning of your story is actually God's story in you. So what's your story? How would you share the hope that you have with your neighbor at a block party? Today, at 11, 11 o'clock, be ready. Are you getting ready? (laughs) What would be the beginning of your story? I've always been a good guy, Ephesians 2, dead zombie in a parade of evil. That's the beginning of your story. But what's the middle of your story? Here's where hope comes into your story and mine. Notice the middle of the story. It's a massive transition in verse 4. I wish our Bibles could have bold, because verse 4 would be bold, underlined, italic, highlighted, size 55 font. Do you see it? Verse four. Verse one through three is bad news. Verse four is really good news. But God. Oh. Oh God. I'm so glad there's a hero to this story, and it's not you. It's not me. God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead zombies in a parade following the evil one, even then, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. That's great news. I didn't see me contributing to the middle of my story in Ephesians 2. Did you see it? But Zach found a way through intellectual acquisition of ideas to find the path to true spirituality. Nope. That's not there. But Zach through flawless church attendance, memorizing his verses and receiving rewards in children's church, achieved salvation. Nope. No, I I see the middle of the story is all about God. Because the middle of your story is actually God's story. And you, isn't it? Paul is making it so clear. He wants to tell you you were dead, so that anything good that happens in your life, there's only one person who gets credit for it, and that's God. He's the hero of the story, and he's the hero of your story because God made you alive with his jaw-dropping, eye-popping, heart-melting grace, as Dr. Mark Young would always tell me at Denver Seminary. Not at CSU, Denver Seminary. all God. In the summer of 1859, a French dude named Charles Blondin decided to do something wild. He stretched a rope over Niagara Falls, and he said, I'm going to walk across it. And he did. And then he did it again, and again, and again. And Thousands of people started traveling across the nation to go see this guy, Charles Blondin. He's walking across a rope over Niagara Falls. Let's go, it's exciting. After a while, the crowds kind of got bored because he was just walking across a rope over Niagara Falls, you know, as people do. So he tried doing something more exciting and he did a variety of tricks. One time, one of his best stunts is he took a wheelbarrow. Charles Blondin over Niagara Falls, 160 feet in the air. I think I have a picture. There might be a picture of him. He's taking this wheelbarrow and he's walking across a tight rope and the crowds are watching nervously and he makes it all the way across to the other side. All these people on the bridge start cheering. Yeah, Charles, way to go. They're going nuts, it's wonderful. And the the crowd finally dies down and Charles shouts to the crowd and he says, hey, hey, you've seen me do it, right? I can push a wheelbarrow. Well, do you believe I can push a person in this wheelbarrow across this tightrope? And you know what the people did. Oh, come on. You've been in a crowd before. Yeah, we believe. We believe in you, Charles. You can do it. Take a person. Take a person. They're chanting. They're so excited. This would be wild, you know. Everybody's getting their iPhone out. They're like, I gotta get this on slow-mo videos. It'd be so cool. And they fall. Finally, the crowd calms down to which Charles asks one simple question. Any volunteers? (laughs) Silence. That's being saved by grace. Faith is choosing to get in that wheelbarrow. Salvation is Jesus Christ carrying you the whole way across. That's the picture. And taking credit for your salvation as is silly, is jumping out of that wheelbarrow on the other side and going, I did it! I did it, I crossed the chasm. No you didn't, no you enacted faith, well done, to get in the wheelbarrow, God. But God, verse four, made you alive. He rescued you from your sin. Dead things, don't need a Band-Aid. Dead people, spiritually dead people don't need CPR. They need resurrection. They need a whole new life. That's why Jesus, having a conversation with Nicodemus in John three, you know what he tells Nicodemus? Nicodemus asks, how can I be saved? And you know what Jesus says? You don't need a tweak to your life, Nicodemus. You don't need a self help book. You know what you need? You must be born again. Brand new spiritual life. Totally unlike what it was before. That's what you need. And so maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, you know what? I'd share my testimony, but it feels really boring. You know? I mean, Zach went to church and Zach was scared on Halloween night because it seemed like Satan was prowling around and this is probably hell's birthday. And he asked his mom in the back of a Ford station wagon, mom, I'm scared, what's, what's hell about? And she shared the gospel and, and Zach got in the wheelbarrow. That's so boring. I am not an exciting testimony. No, 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 no. You know what my testimony is? God did a miracle in my life. Don't you see it? Don't you see it? It's a miracle that a six-year-old would turn in faith. That's a miracle because I was dead. Dead. No pulse in my sins. There's a problem. Don't you see if we don't fully understand the problem of sin, we will never marvel at the miracle of salvation. It's a miracle that you're saved. The beginning of your story is actually God's story in you, and the middle of your story is God's story in you. But what about the end of your story? Paul continues, he gives a hint in verse 10. Verse 10, he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, like now, today, my life after Christ, I've been made for a purpose, good things, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. The same picture, quit marching in line behind Satan, receive new life, be reborn, and start walking in line with God. That's your life after Christ. Who gets credit for all the good stuff you're doing, Christians? I mean, we've been working hard on a block party, trying to do something good here. Be nice to get a little credit. Uh, Zach, God saved you and then before he even saved you or made you, he prepared a good work for you to do on August 20th. He did it. That you would walk in it. Even my future, God gets credit? Come on, Paul, can I get a little bit? Just a little. No. No. Even your sanctification, even your sanctification. You're growing in maturity in this new life because you were reborn as a baby spiritual Christian and now you're growing and maturing, even that. The end of your story. It's your story, but it's actually God's story in you. So how will you share your story? This is my story. This is my song. We need a couple more words in there. This is actually God's story in me. This is God's song in me. How would you share your faith? One of the great opportunities in this series is that we have a chance to hear real people's stories. And I want to invite one person to come up today to share a bit of his story. Ross Ridgway, would you come up? And uh, let's just welcome him as he shares his story. Now, Ross, I wanted to start by asking you which classic hymn you'll be singing
2: <laughs> Yeah, I was I was told I was not allowed to
0: sing. <laughs> we had many meetings to go over this over <laughs> and over. Please don't sing. Please don't sing. That's right. Ross, it's great to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having the willingness to to step up here and yeah. be transparent. Sure. Share a little bit of your story. We'll have an opportunity to do this all throughout the series and Part of what I love about this is we get to know somebody in a deeper way, and we also get to testify to what God's done in a real person's life, and it gives him a lot of glory and honor. So let's have a conversation, shall we? Sounds good. So Ross, I'd like to get to know you. (laughs) Tell me just... uh, Just ignore the... Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. 300 people staring (laughs) at you. Just tell me a little bit about your story and how it began. Sure, yeah, thanks Zach. Yeah, I, uh,
2: I usually sit up there, and so it's nice to get to see everybody's faces instead of just backs of heads. Yeah, would you so <laughs> advance the slides for us, actually? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, it's good to see everybody, and thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. Um, so I, I grew up in a little town outside of Oklahoma City, good. and in Oklahoma, we like to call ourselves the buckle of the Bible Belt. Very center, center. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very center. It's a big buckle, too. It was it's Oklahoma. It's a, yeah, huge. It's, yeah. 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 Um, but uh, we didn't go to church. That wasn't what my family did. We were we were not. Uh, uh, we didn't go to church, and but I still I still sort of found myself in church on occasion. Um, in elementary school, there was a, a local Baptist church that that would send a bus around. And for whatever reason, my mom let me get on this bus and, with my older brother and, and go to this church for a few years. And, nice. and so, you know, God started planting seeds of, of who he was and, and his, his truth and his grace. Yeah. And uh, just through the preaching of the gospel in kids' church. Back then we had kids' church, we had big church. So, this would qualify as a big church. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, and then you know, and then a few years later, I I went back to church for a couple of years with friends from high school. Um, and you know, and again, God was continuing to plant seeds, even though there wasn't really anything happening outside of of that. Hmm. You know, there was no there was no discipling. There was no. Uh, Nobody that I could just sit down and ask questions of or, or kind of talk with about you know, what this all meant. Because you
0: were kind of going alone. Parents weren't going
2: with yeah. you. Just send you on the bus. Yeah. Yep, okay. yep. So it was, uh, uh, you know, you look back and you're kind of like, all right, well, God was clearly working and calling um, even when I didn't really understand what was mm-hmm. happening. But yeah. so, you know, high school, college, uh, into my career in my twenties, I was, I was driven. I was, and I was all about just achieving. And, Hmm. and it really looked like just chasing after what the world says is the source of happiness, Hmm. you know? It's like, oh, well you just gotta, you gotta achieve, you gotta accumulate Hmm. stuff, titles, whatever, degrees. More money. Um, Yeah, all of the things. And, and oh, that'll, that'll bring happiness. Yeah and um in reality, it just continued to feed this sense of of just kind of despair and hopelessness and mm. conviction and um you know after after a while, you're kind of like, "Is this all there is? Mm. Is this what it's all about and yeah. um but so that that's kind of how the story starts, yeah, and mm-hmm. it's so I was dead, <laughs> if, yeah, absolutely. I can, if I can
0: steal from, from your message. It's like I was just dead. Was there a moment there too where you felt like you had tasted the bottom of like, okay, I've got the job, I've got the title, I've got money. Um, early 20s, would you say? Yeah, no,
2: mid, mid to late 20s, I was still just running hard. I yeah. was still just convinced that that these lies uh, we're, we're the the source of happiness? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. So you just, and you get to a point where you're kind of like, I all right, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. So. so, at that point,
0: how did you become a Christian? How did you find
2: yeah. faith?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I
2: uh, you kind of stole my thunder because that uh, two of my favorite words in all the Bible are but God. Yeah. In Ephesians two four, you see but God. And it's like, and that's when the story turns on its head, hmm. and it did for me. You know, I late twenties. I was um, I was married, starting a family, and and somebody convinced me to visit a, a church there in Norman. Was there a bus? There was no bus. No bus. Okay, <laughs> but they had a smoke machine. So okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Upgrade. <laughs> that's right. Nice. But uh, so yeah, there was. Um, so I was, you know, I reluctantly was kind of like, all right, I'll go, I'll give it a try, that's what you do here in Oklahoma, so yep. why not? Um, so I, yeah, I went to this church and and God just brought these two men into my life, like straight away. Hmm. It was, one of them was this this guy, this big gregarious, loud guy named Steve Vesely who just, just befriended me for no reason, you yeah. know, I mean well we know why but but he just he just kind of took interest in me and took interest in my life yeah. and and just and then there was another guy who I actually never met he was a guy who had a, a ministry in Littleton Colorado really? and uh, and they would send these cassette tapes which they're these little box yeah tell things. me about that yeah they put them in wow. and then by some That's magic amazing. voices and things come out of it. That is but so cool. Yeah, so it uh, it was the 90s, it was crazy. <laughs> Wild. So. <laughs> yeah. But uh, someday I'll tell you about 8-Tracks. Yeah. That'll blow oh, your boy. mind. Yeah. Um, but uh, so this guy, you know, his ministry sent these tapes to our church and I, I got some somehow and yeah. started listening to them because I had a pretty long commute uh, back then, and, and I just would listen to these these tapes, and so between Steve and, and this guy named Mike Wells, it, it's like, um, they just both kept pointing me to Jesus.
0: Hmm.
2: I mean, it's like, you know, it's kind of a one-string banjo, but it's <laughs> like they just kept kind of talking about Jesus, yeah. and telling me about who Jesus is, and you know and just explaining that it's like yeah he he was a real person who lived in a place in a time and yeah. um, and he died for you for your sins, and then you know he came back to life to prove that he was God I mean it's like what more proof do you need really and yeah and um, but they both just kept pointing me to jesus and and you know I after a while, it—I it, I remember kind of driving home from work one day, and I kind of remember the little spot in the road where it was, and and I just pulled over because I was just overwhelmed by, you know, the goodness of God. You know, we we sang these songs this morning that it was like, holy cow, I'm I'm going to be crying up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just God's goodness, I just was overwhelmed by his goodness and my wretchedness
0: hmm.
2: and and just my helplessness without his goodness yeah. and his faithfulness and it was yeah it was uh um, yeah it was it was sort of a moment, but there was this just journey uh, you know I've heard people say some of us have kind of kind of Paul type conversion stories where it's like you know bright lights and well. Of, like, these I it was guess, just maybe. like this, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> bright lights and the 180 know, loud voices, and you know, just a complete 180. But mm-hmm. most of us have a Peter type conversion story, which is like, it's like, I, I don't know exactly when, yeah. it happened, but I know it happened, and I know that uh, I, I don't get the credit, I know that it was just a, a total gift of God's grace and His mercy,
0: yeah, so. yeah. I love that it affected you which I think speaks to that deadness of, you know, a zombie does not care, doesn't feel. And that's part of, I think, his enabling grace is to give us a heart that's affected by it. That says, not just that I intellectually agree to it, Mm -hmm. but it made me stop driving, because I was moved by this grace and this love. That's amazing. So you slowly stepped into the wheelbarrow, started, (laughs) started trusting him. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit more about since that, progressive moment of trusting Christ and depending on Him. How has your life been since then? You know, all yeah. just probably perfect, flawless. Yeah, sunshine and roses. Yep, every and minute. No
2: flat tires. Or yeah. yeah uh,
0: now, I, I uh,
2: there's a quote that I won't try to, uh, I'll paraphrase from John Newton who wrote Amazing Grace yeah. a couple hundred years ago. and it, The paraphrase of the quote is, it's like, you know, I'm not who I ought to be, I'm not who I hope to be, but thank God, I'm not who I used to be. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, there's just a, um, the, I, sort of looking back in hindsight, it's like I undoubtedly was a new creation. Yeah. Um, It was no longer about me, Um, even though I, I would often try to make it <laughs> I still had that yeah. you know sort of desire to like oh well I can make this about me I can get some of the glory I can get some of the accolades here and through you know whatever efforts and, yeah. and but you know but God in all of that was was gracious hmm. and patient but he was also insistent yes <laughs> that we were no longer going to do things my way yeah and um so it was you know it was a process especially early on i mean i i, I don't think you ever are out of that struggle yeah um but uh, but yeah by god's grace he just has continued sort of refining and shaping and and yeah the past 25 plus years have been there have been struggles. Yeah. There have been, um, you know, challenges and and things that I, I mean, we we'd sit up here for another two hours to yeah. sort of and I'd probably need like a therapist's couch yeah, or something. Could but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, but uh, it, there's you know plenty of things, and if you anybody wants to, I can buy you a cup of coffee or something. And we can we can talk about some of those details. But the 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 joy, the, the, I mean, just the, you know, the unqualified, undeserved blessing of, of God's favor is just, I mean, look at my, <laughs> I shouldn't have looked to my wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you look at those things and you just think, I don't deserve any of that. But, you know, by God's grace, here I am, and you uh, know I just I I just hope to um, uh, for over the next however many years just continue to live that out. Yeah. In a way that um, that honors what God has has done in me, and and that continues to try to humbly walk forward and just really just kind of sharing that with other people in a way that that isn't that isn't you know trite or isn't uh, or I'm not putting on airs or I'm not trying yeah, to pretend to hollow, be something I'm yes. not and and I would encourage all of you if you haven't to to just take some and I'm not trying to steal your thunder next week Craig but take some time and just write out your story because oh my goodness, it's powerful to just sit and, and think through it, how little credit I get. Hmm. You know, how, how, if not for sort of God just um, wrecking my life in a good way. I mean, just <laughs> kind yeah. of taking it, like, turning everything upside down. It's like, i you know, I'd still be hellbound. Yeah, I'd still be a, a dead zombie. Walk. What is it? Yeah, man, that's a weird picture. Parade. I it's shouldn't push that too far. <laughs> <but> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds like a tattoo. Yeah, Christ, is that one of your tattoos? Yeah.
0: Stuff? So anyway, it's amazing. Yeah, there there is nothing mundane though about any story of a Christian. Yeah, and I appreciate you sharing because you're a walking miracle. Yeah. as we all are in Christ, and this, God's done something in your life, and when you share part of your story, uh, used to be a worship leader, and so I'm all about worship, and I want people to adore God, and these stories help us see, yes, 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 our God is good, he's working um, miraculously in your life as much as he is in every other person that's here, so. No. Thank you for sharing just a snippet of your story. I want to encourage you. You know these are short moments, but if you want to learn more about Ross's story, too, take him out for a cup of coffee. We got some coffee over there, and you can always hear more. But I want to take a minute just to pray for yeah, you right thanks. now. So let's let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I want to intercede for uh, Ross right now, and first praise you for the work that you have done in his life, from beginning, middle to end. Uh, You are the same God, the same loving God who's been calling Ross and wooing him with your love, drawing him out of a different path that he hoped would lead to happiness. Thank you for your grace that you let him taste how empty the American dream could be and that there's something better. There's an unexpected joy he wasn't even looking for at that moment found in you. Thank you for making him alive. Thank you for dying for his sins and raising him to a new spiritual life today that he could walk in good works even now and one day be whole and perfect with you, Jesus. So, Father, we give you praise today and credit and all the glory uh, that's due your name in Ross's life. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks thanks for sharing. Appreciate you. Hey, stick around for a couple more weeks of our series where we get to hear some other stories. And I want to finish with a charge for you today. As Ross mentioned, I want you to consider prayerfully outlining your story. But I don't want you to start with your experience. I want you to start this week with what the Bible says is your story. And so just open to today's text, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Read slowly and prayerfully through 10 verses and ask God along the way, every verse, God, how was I dead in my sins? God, how was I walking after the prince of darkness? God, in my story, how did you make me alive? And God, what good works are you doing in me that you prepared for me before I was ever
1: born? That concludes LifePoint Church's podcast. For more information about our church, visit sharethelife.org.